What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, UFC 284 is over and done, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to quit talking about it just yet. It was one of the best main events that we've seen in a meaningful period of time, and coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you whether I think Volkanovski and Makhlchev should rematch. Plus, Dan Hooker has made some pretty hefty claims and Israel Adesanya has spoken up about his friend, Francis Ngannou. I'll get to those things and more, but let's begin here. We are T-minus 18 hours. In 18 hours, the rankings committee, the unnamed, unsolicited person or group of people that produce one of the only things in writing that we actually accept. DraftKings will put out odds, right? You don't have to accept them. You can go with the house or you can go against them, just by example. This guy will claim that he's the number one contender, but you'll hear from this other crew. We accept nothing in this sport. That's why we fight. If we could all just agree who one through 10 is, we wouldn't have to set that octagon up every Saturday. We literally will fight about every single thing in this sport except one. Whatever the rankings committee says, I don't know why. I have never disagreed with it. Just to let you know how much we in this industry truly adhere to that. Khabib Nurmagomedov asked for nothing. He announced his retirement at 29-0 in an arena they had built for him on the eve of the passing of his father. And he chose that one moment of a career of goodwill a little bit of sadness and a little bit of sympathy, but it was important enough for him that he played that card and he asked to be ranked number one, pound for pound, the next time they put out a list. Well, to do that would have had to knock John Jones off. And John Jones, who witnessed this, who witnessed 29-0, knows they're an arena they built for him and knows about the passing of his father, took to the media to fight back to make sure he kept that spot. It's important. And it's not only important, historically speaking, it's not only important that we have a frame of reference that we can dial back to for conversations that are going to come a generation or so from now. It's, it's not just that. We have always agreed with what they say. Let me give you a, maybe even even better example. Kamara Usman was ranked number one. Okay, Kamara Usman did not lose. Volkanovski took his spot away. Some of you won't remember it that way. Some of you said, oh no, he was kicked in the head by, excuse me. When Kamara went out there to fight Leon, the night that he was kicked in the head, he was not ranked number one pound for pound anymore. And we have seen that list move. I just gave you an example of the Khabib and John, but it's very rare that that list will move when one of the athletes who held the spot was not defeated. Very, very rare. Not only was Kamara not defeated, I don't think he lost a round. Right, up until that head kick hurt around the world, it had been a minute before he'd even lost a round. I'm just sharing for you, it's a big deal, and nobody protested. 
including Kamar Usman. He didn't like losing it, but he did not claim foul ball. And Volkanovski never said a word about it until it was done. He never said you should change it. But the moment it was done, he accepted it. And I'm only attempting to prove for you guys. We accept pound for pound. It's the one group, right? I mean, I give these guys a heart. We don't know who they are. We don't even know. They could be a computer system like the BCS. It could be a group of people. It could be paid shills. I, I, I give them a hard time like that. But I like to set it up that way because that makes it even more interesting. It makes it even more interesting that we accept the data. Now, in T-minus 18 hours, they will be meeting, they will be putting out this list. They have an opportunity to do what is so clearly right and leave Volkanovsky number one. They have the opportunity to leave Volkanovsky in the number one spot in a fight that he thought that he won. In a fight that many of you thought he won. Now, you guys are wrong. He did not win that fight. But he also gave up size, and this is about a pound for pound. Adesanya moved up and took on Jan Blahovitz. Do you guys remember that? It wasn't overly competitive. It wasn't even all that fun to watch. It did not lower Adesanya one single notch. It did not elevate Blahovitz one single notch. I think that would make sense to you because it was somewhat competitive and the guy that went out there and competed somewhat is from a weight class 20 pounds lighter. And this is pound for pound. So why would that factor in? Yeah, okay, great. You, you bring up a great point. I'm sharing with you the rankings committee is going to have to have a level of courage. It is going to take courage to have seen Islam and Volk fight and to keep Volk at number one. It's going to take courage to come out and say, that fight was really close. It would take courage to come out and say, do I believe that Islam could do the exact same thing? Do I believe Islam could go up one weight class against their absolute best guy and have a world contesting whether or not he won it or not? And I don't think they got that courage. I've never seen anything within these guys that tells me that they have courage. And I will give them a pat on the back because it's a recent memory, but they took Sugar Sean from number 10 to number one overnight. From 10 to one overnight in a very controversial decision. I give them credit for that. If that's where he should be, you got to fix it. But they put out a number last week. They had Volk at one. They had Islam at five. Why would that, why would that change? And where would Volk go? He goes to two. So that's that's where we pull him down one, I assume. You're not talking about switching spots. And he goes to number five, and five goes up to number one. I mean, you're not being silly, right? Because there was a number of people that had a problem with Islam fighting Charles Oliveira in the first place. They said, hey, he doesn't have any top ten wins. He doesn't even have an opponent that's been in the top five, let alone a victory. So that would even hold true to right now. Right now, to this day, Islam's only fought two guys. With a top five ranking, according to that piece of data that I accepted is true. Now, we can play this game the other way. I, I don't have a big problem with any of that. I, I love it when these kinds of things happen, because you really never know who the best in the world is, and you don't even know when it's time for a guy to try. You don't know. We, don't, we just don't have any mechanism in place to do that. We take a Brock Lesnar with some star power, we get him one or two matches, we'll put him in there for a world championship. But that was in yesteryear. 
Right now, you have a guy in Bo Nickel who on paper could be the champion of the world. He will never get that opportunity. Never. Until his world greatly changes from where it is right now. I just share with you, you don't really know who's the best. So I do like it when a guy that you think isn't ready steps in and stuns the world. I like that. But the rankings committee has an opportunity. They have an opportunity to show a little bit of courage. And they don't have to argue the decision. They don't have to argue that it was a tainted victory. They have to argue that within their expertise, understanding what pound for pound means, literally what it means. Of course, Islam goes number one at 55. Of course, Volk goes number one at 45. I'm talking about the pound for pound. It's going to take some courage. It is the last opportunity that this fight is going to have to get something right. I'll be back tomorrow. And I will let you know what they decide. Alright guys, we can make one heck of a case for doing a rematch between Islam and Volkanovski. But we're either going to do it or we're not. So if you're making a case why you, you, you only got 50% more of the job to do to tell the other side of the story. So let's work out why they would not, okay? The one good thing we get from the interim championship. I like the interim belt. I've always liked the interim belt. I wish they'd bring back a super fight belt. I like the BMF belt. I admit it. I like opportunity. I like recognition. I know how important that is, and it's good for morale. And if somebody gets it, good for them. But one thing about the interim, much like all the other rules in this sport, we are going to fiercely adhere to whatever we make up on the spot. One thing about the interim, though, it has always served as a number one contenders match. If you've got the interim belt, you're going to fight the undisputed champ. Now, why do I say that? Well, if we're going to do a rematch, we're going to do a Volk versus Islam. Okay, we're, we're not just going to redo that. We are going to make Volkanovsky a 55-pounder. We have to. But he also has to burn his ships. I mean, Volk did damn near everything perfect in this match. He truly did. I mean, a tougher man has not walked the planet. However, one thing he didn't do was burn his boats. You've seen many senators run for the presidency, but they were never taken serious to be president unless they resigned as senator. And I'm just bringing this to you because if you're a 45 pounder and, and, and you're going to, you're going to eat some food and do some bench press. I mean, right. You, you saw that so that he could gain a couple of kilos knowing that you've got to take it, take it back off. The whole reason Adesanya at 205 did not work is Adesanya never committed to 205. And the entire reason that John Jones, who's going to be heavyweight champion after leaving 205, which is the greatest discrepancy, is because he did burn his boats. He committed. He gave that belt back. He went and twink-tonged and twinkied himself to where he can't get the back to 205. He, it's got to work. But we have to start with that. I mean, it's the only thing that cost Volk. And Volk's going to go up and he's going to do a rematch. He's no longer 45-pounder. Rodriguez, congratulations on the fight that nobody saw. Now makes you the undisputed champion of Volk. You've got to go here, which means Volk, if you fail, you are no longer world champion. Do you understand? Volk, if you fail, you are not only no longer world champion, you will go into no man's land, much like Colby, Colby Covington, as it pertains to getting another world title opportunity as long as... Islam stays number one. I mean, it would take that level of a commitment, and that would be enough. That would push him over the edge. 
There's a lot of talk if they rematched of, well, well, who, who learned more and who would do better? But it's not even close, Islam. I apologize. I meant to say Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky, without question, is the one who was apprehensive out there. Volkanovsky's the one that waited to engage. He's the one that talked himself into the fight as the fight was going on. Nobody was more surprised at the success Volkanovsky was having in that fight than Volkanovsky. Do you guys remember the night? It was a great one. Justin Gaethje beat Tony Ferguson. Nobody was more surprised than Justin Gaethje. And I'll only bring that to you because now that Volk does know that, he doesn't slow down. His combinations don't change. Islam wanted to drag him down to the ground or even having an urgency to do so. None of these things change. So it really would be an interesting match. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to do a rematch, let's make sure that we commit to it. I mean, that is the one thing. If you have Volkanovsky here right now, he'd say, yeah, Chael's right. I didn't think of it like that, but Chael is right. I always knew I was going back to 45. There was always a reason I didn't relinquish. As I wanted that soft place to fall. And I found it. And it will be very interesting for me how Volk handles this. Now, I want to be real fair here. He's got no judgment from me. Whatever he does will be okay. But Volk is the one that said the number one pound for pound in the world is up for grabs. The media didn't say that. We didn't say it. You didn't say it. Dana didn't say it. Volk said it. Islam didn't ask for it. Islam didn't demand it. Team Khabib and Javier Mendez. Between Dagestan and the AKA, nobody said it. It was said by Volk. Volk said, you put up that belt, I will put up my title. But now that the fight is over and we're having a debate as to who should be number one, Volkanovsky says he won the match. I don't have a problem with this, by the way. I really don't have a problem with this. I'm just curious how that's going to be handled. There's different levels of sportsmanship. And in all fairness, if you think you won the fight, come out and say that you won the fight. Having a rematch between these two seems to make all the sense in the world, except for these two talking about it. Having Charles Oliveira in the audience for a cameo where he does nothing and says nothing. You cannot have a 155 pounder that deserves an opportunity more than Benny Darush, who has done nothing and said nothing. As a matter of fact, I was told by a very good inside source, Hans, that Oliveira is going to be fighting Darush. And I heard that rumor somewhere. I mean, if, if those two were going to fight, I should know about it. I should have made you guys pieces. I should have been doing dates on this. But only those two knuckleheads could have a big fight coming up that nobody knows about. So maybe Hans is right. Maybe it is going to be Oliveira in Darush. But if it is, it only strengthens my point. Then who is going to fight Islam? And you could bring in a little 45-pounder. And you could do that back at home. We could do same, same, try to rematch, rematch this whole thing. Maybe we find a little bit of a different destination. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can do this. But if we are going to do it, there has to be a commitment. The, the boat's got to be burned. And the 45-pound belt has got to be relinquished. out of congratulations to Volkanovski. He said, congratulations, Volkanovski, you whipped his ass. So Islam responded to that. 
Islam said, maybe he smoked something, then watch the fight. It's simple. It's G-rated, I get it. But he's now coming after the beloved Diaz. Diaz could never be a heel. For, for this point in his career on, he could push an, an old lady into a burning building. You're going to still love him. So I share that with you because if you come after Diaz, if you come over the most loved character in our sport right now, that's what a heel would do. And you're doing that on the heels of the only, I said heel again, the only comment that was interesting at all about the Volkanovsky fight made by Islam, which is he called him short. He said many other things. They, they were, I mean, you could, you could gag me with a smurf. They were terrible. I don't know why they sat him at press conferences. Oh, lots of fans here, but you're not going to be happy tomorrow. And he puts the mic down. It, 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 hit him right over the head with that microphone. Be a lot more entertaining than listening to him. But he said a couple of things. He called the beloved Diaz out for being high. And he called Alexander the Great too small to see. That's a heel. And there is such a massive opportunity right now. And you will have guys that can't reconcile their love to a deity with entertaining a fight crowd. I mean, you just can't. It was always the problem with John Jones. John Jones has something tattooed on some kind of a, a verse. And people come out and say, John, go be a heel. You're 21. You're rich. And you can whip every man's ass alive. Go be a... He said, how, he, John said, how could I do that? How could I be a heel? I love Jesus. He was serious. That was his answer. He couldn't reconcile the two. He didn't understand how he could have the tattoo and the verse and... Tell the audience to stick it. He just didn't know how to do it. But there's been plenty of people like that. And I do feel as though that's one of the tie-ons with Islam. First off, Islam looks like a very lovable character. I mean, there, there is just something very cute about him, I must say. I must say, I kind of want to grab him and give him a look. You know, right? He's got like a little brother feel to him. He really does. And then he works very hard. He shows a tremendous respect to Khabib, which I like. I like when you show respect to the guy that got you there. And so many guys don't do it. They get up there, they turn the gun on him. Now they got to be bigger man. I've seen it a million times. I understand it. Probably did some of it myself. It's very normal, particularly for males, but he didn't do it. He showed respect to the guy that got him there. Just sharing for you, I like him a lot. And he seems like a really nice guy. But he also very clearly has a lovable, playful side. And he very clearly does understand in this sport, it is okay to pick on him. This guy is telling the world that he wants me locked in a cage where he can do anything except bite and eye gouge me. That's not nice. I realize that some of you sportsmen think that's just what, that's just what the sport is. I, I, I have to hear that from you guys all the time. And it's usually from some father that was a wimp who's got a son who he's raising to be a wimp. That's generally the type of people that I got to hear about the honor and the respect of martial arts from. There is nothing polite about the only athletic event in America that is overseen by the government because it is so vicious. There is nothing polite about having somebody call you out to your face and tell you they want to put you in there so they can do those things to you. So why do I have to be polite back? Why do I have to say, ah, shucks, bury my head in the sand, bring this belt, take all the lumps and all the bruises, 
Why do I have to come to a press conference where no matter what I do, you're going to boo me? You've now got some, some rotten woman who's taken to the internets telling them that she's my nurse and that you gave me illegal substances before my match. I don't like you people and you don't like me. So why do I have to come out and lessen that? You're all going to boo me anyway. Why do I want a lesser boo? I don't know what the answer is, guys. I really don't know. But I do believe that it, it happens to tie in. It happens to tie in with, with, with the deity and we all love him and we just can't be the guys. We're brothers and we love one another. We just can't be the guys. Why not? You don't think you're a bunch of outcasts anyway? I mean, do you really not know that? The boys from Dagestan, they don't think that they're outcasts anyway. You don't think we look at you as a certain group? You haven't heard people talking about that? They don't call you from a territory over by Russia. They call you Dagestan. They even separate you from Russia. Now, in our community, it sure is meant as a compliment because you're really good and we're really scared of you guys. But if you think that you're blending in and we don't see you standing over there in your robe with your Abe Lincoln beard, yeah, we see you. You're your own thing. And, and if you gotta if you gotta crack a few eggs to make an omelet, you're the main eventer. You're the champion of the world. You're anointed by King Khabib himself. You're a pay-per-view draw. You are now ranked number one in the world, pound for pound. Like you have an obligation. And it's not just to pretend to be nice. Somebody steps to you and tells you they want to get you inside of a cage so that they can do anything under the sun aside from bite and eye gadget. You. you do not need to respond back nicely. What is better than watching the NBA action? Being a part of it with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You can tap into all the excitement with the click of a button. New customers can place $5 on any pregame money line bet, and they're going to get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NBA winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. The Bucks and the Suns are going to play on Sunday. Where do you fit Kevin Durant into that situation? Guys, go download the app right now. Sign up with the promo code CHAIL. New customers can place $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Download the app now and sign up with code CHAIL. New customers can place $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHAIL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. called out here. There was a thread on the underground, and it has to do with a Twitter tirade that uh, Dan Hooker went on. And Dan Hooker said, hey, he's talking to Islam. Called him straight out to Islam. Tagged USADA in this. Tagged the UFC in it. I'm going to change some of the profanity and just tell you, Hooker is maintaining that he has been told by a medical professional, in this case a nurse, that the nurse administered an IV to Islam after the weigh-ins and prior to the fight. Now, what would happen? That's what I got asked. 
I just get asked, Chael, what would happen? Now, I have to refresh my own memory on this because contrary, very much contrary to what most people believe, you are always allowed to use an IV. And it came down to the milligrams, right? Nobody knew how to cheat. This is the, I don't see USADA make very many mistakes. This is the biggest mistake USADA's ever made. Them banning IVs, now they have just told the world how you beat them. Set that aside. BJ Penn went into the emergency room and he was given an IV. And as soon as you get in an emergency room, it wouldn't matter if your leg was cut off. It, like it, wouldn't, it would not matter at all. Your hair could be on fire. Any emergency room in America, they will put an IV in your arm instantly. Instantly. And act as though they've already figured out you're dehydrated. Just accept that and let it go. That's what they did to BJ Penn. So BJ was doing a drug test and they ask him prior to the drug test, they say, have you done an IV lately? And BJ told the truth. He said, yes, I have. Okay, great. But now they need to know how many milligrams. If it was 30 or under, fine. We just move on with our day. If it was over 30, you're going to be in violation of Usada. BJ said, I don't know. Let's call the hot. Hey guys, how many milligrams did you give me? It was all straight. It was all above board. It was BJ not understanding the rules. Then in fairness, acting very audibly when he did, didn't try to skate anything, just said it was, and he took a hit. BJ was suspended. BJ has a notch on his record, and that matters because you only get three. Three of them, you get a lifetime ban. So BJ Penn, who's never used a PED, isn't even accused of it, just a form of administration that apparently went above the allotment of what I believe was 30 milligrams, and they flagged him. It's important that you understand that. So here's where I want to go with this, though. I believe somewhere after that, they just banned IV completely. Guys were starting to understand, I can get an IV, and then when I'm asked how many milligrams, give the right answer. It could have been 100 milligrams, guys. It could be 10 milligrams. You, you get my point. There was a threshold. And my memory, I'm going off of memory, says that that got changed and there's no IVs at all. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you from that perspective. I believe they banned them completely. So, if Islam was to have gotten an IV, now that's, that's a big if, because where they do it? I mean, that's, that's going to be a really big deal. Where did they do it? Did they put it in this arm? Did they put it in this arm? Did they come over the top of your hand? It's, it's a really big one. Because people will simply look at you. Islam was on television the next day. It was called The Fight. And we could stop any one of those stills, and we could zoom in, and he's either got a mark there or he doesn't. Real, real straightforward. So I guess we would start with that. If we then had a medical professional, in this case, a nurse, who was coming out and saying, I did it, and I will sign here under swear uh, testimony, in America, we take their license away, quickly. That would, that would be a HIPAA violation. That would be beyond inappropriate if a nurse did that. In Australia, I don't know. I would probably think the same thing. If, if I was to guess, that did not happen. If I was to get, and you're talking to a cheater, guys. You're talking, I, I can't think of an administration or a jurisdiction that I have ever been under that I didn't violate. I really can't. But I brought my own IV. I wasn't going to go to a hospital. I wasn't going to go check in. And I wasn't going to bring somebody to my room that later could have a Twitter handle and wants to get in the good graces of Dan Hooker and company. So I brought my own guy. So nobody ever asked me any questions. I mean, I'm just sharing with you. I don't 
imagine that Islam, who doesn't seem like a twisted person, but if he's going to be in this case, he knows that he's in violation. It's worth it to him. Whatever he needs, it's worth it to him. And then he's just going to bring in some random stranger, not have him sign anything, not, not put the fear of God in them. You ever hung out with them boys from Dagestan? Like, have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a room and you got all, all these Abe Lincoln guys, they all got the same blank stare on? They don't smile? You're telling me that a nurse walked into that room, went over the closet, got out a coat hanger, hung this on the top of the door, as we cheated the guy in a main event in the biggest fight in the history of Perth. It's a lot to believe. It's a lot to accept. I feel very confident in telling you said nurse is never going to come out. I also feel confident in telling you whoever got this information to Dan Hooker, Dan believes it to be true, but whoever got this information to Dan Hooker is a nut rider trying to gain favor. That's what I think. Sonia did a little media over the weekend. Looked great, by the way. Did you guys see him? He did a little cameo, had on the starter jacket, cheering for Volkanovsky. But he did a little media, and he got in front of a camera. And somebody asked him about Francis Ngannou. Now, that's underhanded. I, I mean, not for nothing. They knew that that was going to be controversial by Adesanya. They knew of the relationship, and they knew that it was a deeper relationship than just same sport, co-worker, superficial. That it had ties back to Cameroon, where they're both very, very proud. So there was a lot on asking him this question, in all fairness. And Adesanya handled this beautifully. And he stuck up for his guy. You bet he did. He said he didn't do anything diva-esque. Said he asked for some little things, some things that probably should already be taken care of anyway. And then he gave a couple of examples. The example Adesanya gave had to do, I hadn't heard this one yet. I heard a few from Francis, but I don't remember hearing this one. Just that, somebody on an undercard apparently gets one cornerman or two cornermen paid for, but there's three in the corner total. Pay for that third guy. Get him a plane ticket. And by the way, get him a hotel. Okay. And... Adesanya was out. He didn't put down the company. He stuck up for his guy. He didn't answer the question. He handled the question. It was excellent. It really was excellent. I didn't like that he got put in that position. He handled it perfectly. What would need to happen for us to all realize that Izzy's right? And I've heard a lot of people say that they're proud that Francis stood up. So what would need to happen for us all to stand back and just... Please, give him his applause. Tell him what a great job he did. What would we need to see? Does he got to get that fight with Fury? Eh, probably. Probably. Or one in kind. Right? He'd go with that big guy that doesn't sweat named Joshua. He probably couldn't do much with Wilder, but maybe. Maybe. Does it, does it have to be that, though? Is there a chance he can just get his knee better, get his weight back under control, and, and return? Return to the organization for the very championship that he never lost in the first place, which might be held by a guy that he just beat. I mean, right? Why, why can't he come back? Why can't we talk about that? And what has to happen for it to be, for it to have been good? 
And it seems like a sweet thing he did, sticking up for a guy on the undercard. I mean, it seems like a sweet thing. If you were looking out your window, guys, and my neighbor backs out of his driveway and he smacks right into my car, and he leaves, a hit and run, a crime, vandalism, you could call the police. Sure you could. And you could report that. You could come tell me. You take a picture of it. You could be very helpful in a potential future investigation. One thing you cannot do is you cannot sue my neighbor. You would not be able to sue my neighbor and say, no, I got it. He did a crime. He backed into jail's drive. He peeled out of here. He did that. That's his bumper. He caused this and I'm suing him. The court will tell you, you don't have standing. It's a very basic legal term. But you would have to have standing in a matter. I would only bring that example to you. Because if you're looking to come in and be the great savior that was going to get an undercard guy, an extra corner man, I mean, it seems like a decent thing to do. You just wouldn't have standing in the matter. So if you do that and you don't sign a deal, you now just became unemployed. You're out of the main event. You're off TV. You're no longer the champion. And for the quadruplet, you're unemployed. That's where we are right now. Yet, a number of people whose opinions I appreciate, including Adesanya, said bravo. They said bravo. They just signed record deals. They do have participation. They remain champion, pay-per-view, championship fights. And they're employed. Or it's just, it's one of those spots if this was good, if this was the right thing to do, when do we know? What has to happen before we all see it, before we all recognize it? I've always had a hope that Francis will go get whatever that boxing thing, whatever that is. Right? And you know, I I have to word it like that, right? Because the only thing they've told us is that they are not going to box and they're not going to do MMA. That's all they've told us is they're going to they're going to create a sport. They're going to they're going to make something up and put it on pay-per-view that has to do with trying to hurt your opponent. That's all they've told us. So I got to word it like I got to say what, whatever that is. Okay, what, whatever they're going to go make up. Their their little game of grab ass over here happens and then Francis rolls right in, gets his date to line up and either does business with Surreal or Jones. That's just that's been my hope. But as I play that through in my head, right, we understood why John came back. John has nowhere else to go. He's a prize fighter. He has to go. We, we understand that John got starved out and is now back. But if Francis is to go and have that fight, the, the, the thing, right, the, the game of tag, in theory, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be in the same position. He wouldn't be coming back for the financial element. He would be coming back for the love of competition and desire for a sport. And I think maybe that's unlikely. It's always been my hope. I want Francis to get everything. I want him to play this game of grab ass. And I want him to come back and I want him to fight John Jones. I I really do want those things. But I've seen this more times in life than I care to admit. 
And when somebody doesn't want to do something and they bring up a reason, they bring up a smokescreen, they come out and tell you this is the only thing getting in our way, it doesn't change. They didn't want to do that thing. They still don't want to do the thing. And now they've just found a thing to say is the reason they're not going to go do the thing. Or at least the rankings room has come out to correct their own mistake and they did it publicly. The rankings room thought it was a good idea to have Volkanovski as the number one guy fighter in the world. Now they had Volkanovski at number one replacing Kamara Usman before Kamara lost. Make sure you understand that time frame. Because I've had, I've had to read comments where you corrected me. No, Kamara was kicked in the head by Lynn. I, I got all of those things. When Kamara walked into the ring for that fight, Coming off nothing but victories, they took his number one spot away and they gave it to Volk. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. This is just what happened. So we kept Volk there last week and the week before. The week before that. The week prior to that. So they've now come out to admit that they had it wrong. Not only did they not know who was number one, according to them, according to our rankings committee, not only did they not know who's number one, not only were they not skilled enough in this sport to know what they're looking at, they didn't even know who was number two. Some bitch, they didn't know who number three was or number four. And they finally admitted all this. Because they have come out today and they have put the number one pound for pound fighter in the world as Islam Makhlchev, the guy they told us was number five. Last week. The week before that, the week before that, the one prior. So they are now admitting they don't know what they're doing. Okay. How do you get to that conclusion, though? I mean, do you understand the courage that it would take? And they've shown courage. It's very rare, but they have done it. I mean, I'll just give it Sugar Sean. Sugar Sean was ranked number 10, beats in a controversial decision, and they move him to number one. Good for them. Like, that took a level of courage. He never should have been 10. That was way too low. So what do you do with a guy you said was 10 when he, he just beat number one? You got to give him the spot. And I give them credit for that. Now, they were in a position today to show courage. The right thing to do, obviously, obviously, glaringly obvious, is you keep Volkanovsky at number one pound for pound. You put number one within the division to Islam to show respect to what we saw. You keep number one within the division of 45 to Volkanovsky, followed by Rodriguez to show respect to what we just saw. Then you do the pound for pound. You know what you just saw. You just watched a fight end with the little guy that was a three-to-one dog on top pounding out the other guy. You give him the nod because that's what pound for pound means. And I must tell you guys, it irritates me beyond explanation to be corrected within this sport. I will tell, I've been, in, I've been around people before. Top reporters, top athletes. I've been around people. And when I'm there, I always think when they ask me, it's because they've heard all the arguments. Now they want the answer. Like when I tell them, here's what we're going to do, or here's what needs to be done and why, I'm not sharing an opinion. I am the only guy in this sport 
who's fought it, who's commentated it, who's coached it, and who's promoted it. So I got to hear from, from four other lacs who've never made a dollar in this sport, right? They're putting out some, some dot com and somebody's paying them for work. They're talking to a guy who's made money in the sport. There aren't but five of us alive. So when they finally get to me, I give them the answer. I don't share an opinion. I give them the answer. It is the final say once it's said by me. I really feel that way. And most people do as well. Most people will credit me with that and say, let's share opinions and then we'll go to jail. Who will make the decision and let us all know who was right. Most people do, but not always. Every now and then there's a new guy or there's an up and comer. I don't mean an up and comer that got paid $90,000 a year plus benefits from a dot com. And he thought he had made it. He thought like he should share his opinion when I'm sharing mine. It was mind boggling to me. It was absolutely mind boggling. But I also have to hear what your opinion of pound for pound means. And I've had to hear it from Ariel. And I've had to hear it from Dominic. And I have to hear it from Candido. So I came out live, live on television, a little network called FS1. And I cited the reporter out of Brooklyn, New York, who in 1976 coined the phrase. And they all, you should have seen them. It was Candido and it was Dominic. It was the whole Becker, all of them. Jaw dropped. They had no idea. I, of course, would have done that before. I didn't know that they didn't know. I didn't know that people in our sport, that you go around and just apply definitions. Pound for Pound was done by a boxing reporter in 1976 in Brooklyn, New York, to try to discuss and see here's where it gets relevant. Here's where it gets relevant. Because I don't need to hear your opinion on what it means. You don't get an opinion on what it means. The gentleman who coined it has poetic license over what it means. And he simply defined it as, if size did not matter, meaning they all weighed the same. So now we're operating purely off the skill and tactics. Who would beat who? So it's very, very straightforward. You have a 45-pounder who didn't burn his boats. He's going back to 45. You have a 45-pounder who didn't believe in himself. Now, he worked hard. He had some damn good coaching. But nobody was more surprised at how competitive that match was than Volkanovski. Tell about six minutes in, then he realized, oh, man, I can beat this guy. You have a highly controversial decision. Highly. I mean, to, to put that fight in, I'll tell you what, if, if, if that were me, if you were in Westland and that was my hometown, they would still be booing. They would still be throwing things. They would have done every visual so that everybody watching knew the 17,000 there had my back and that those three judges were wrong. Now, I can't say they did that in Perth. They, should, they did a lot of good things in Perth. I mean, they really did a special event, especially for a dump. I mean, believe me when I tell you, you don't want to go to Perth. They put, they put this fight on in a dump, and these people really did do a very good job, except for that. It seemed to be, oh, ho-hum. We got a three-to-one dog who's undersized and outmatched, who just put a beating on that guy. Not only did you not give him the belt, I believe you're not going to give him a rematch, which the history of this sport, which it, there's rules, right? Of course you got to do it. 
Then you're going to take his number one ranking away. You're going to add insult to injury. You had an opportunity as the rankings room. You had the opportunity to be the adult in the room. You had the opportunity to supersede the mistake made by the judges. And that's all that we do in the sport. I mean, just so you guys understand. Do, do you know what a TKO is? Do you know what that means? When Big John McCarthy steps in and pulls another guy off, do you know what that is, means? It means the corner failed to do his job. If your athlete's getting pummeled so bad that the referee needs to step in and pull him off, the corner should have stopped the fight. When the corner fails to do his job, the referee will step in and do what's called a TKO. Just like when the referee fails to do his job and the doctor has to get in the ring and make a recommendation. Just like ultimately if we have to turn it over to the judges, it's to supersede and circumvent a responsibility that was failed in the step prior to you. And the ranking rooms had an opportunity to use every benefit that we know as man. As a human, we understand the advantage, the absolute power, the almost unfair certainty of hindsight. They had that power. The rankings committee has hindsight. They have group thought. They have replay. They have full discussion. They have every advantage in the world that the dumbest person would know when to put it on green. And they had an opportunity to fix what was failed. And as sure as night follows day, they did not do it. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I want to remind you that if you need a little more Uncle Chael in your life, you can go over to my YouTube channel, and you can also give me a follow on Twitter, where I'm breaking lots of MMA news. I'm going to be back for another podcast on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.